Chapter 1 Mama, I found your little journal the other day. I wish I got to know you better in person, but I suppose this little book is better than nothing. I must have been very important to you, because most, if not all, of the book is about me. How you raised me, how I grew up, and how you knew something about me that no one else did. You said in your little book that you had a very special power that only Papa knew about. It must have been dangerous, because I haven't heard of anyone around here having special powers besides our ancestral ice chanter spells. Maybe everyone here is full of secrets. Well, I must be no different. I have a little scar on my wrist that looks like a wave. I got it right when the wall came and took you and almost half of our tribe away from us. Hundreds. After that day, something strange happened to me. You wrote Swift a lot in your book, and it wasn't until I said it aloud that I realized it has special meaning to you and me. Mama, every time I say the word Swift, the word alone forces me faster than the birds into whatever direction I need. It's like extra guidance to my feet and I can run. Fast. I see the same line drawn on random pages of your book. I wonder if you're the only one who understands me. I'll never know how I got this power, but I think I somehow have you to thank for it. When did you tell Papa? He must have loved you all the same, because he really tried to save you, Mama. He really did. He loved you. I love you. I haven't told a single soul about my power, Swift. I've been hoping to get the courage to tell Papa. Maybe even Tyke. You must know him. He's Peter's son. But I see that you've kept your power a secret, and even though I can't imagine why, it must have been for a good reason. Papa never told me about it, and even in your little diary, you don't really make much of an effort to explain it to me. Eight years ago, you and our kinsmen took all that was warm and bright away with you. We miss you more than you know. I wish your little book explained how to bring you back. I always wonder what you would say to me if you were alive. Are you proud of the young woman I've become? Was it my fault that you died and I lived? What happened that day, and why was I too young to remember? You've taken all the answers to your grave, and I wonder if I'll ever be able to dig them back up. I'm 17 years old, and I think I finally deserve some answers. What are you writing? A familiar voice asked. Ilse looked up and saw Tyke standing above her, already dressed for the outdoors. Lecture has been over for a few minutes. You aren't still taking notes, are you? I most certainly am not, Ilse said, snapping the book shut and wrapping it in leather binding before putting it in her satchel. Then what were you writing? Tyke asked. It's my journal, Ilse said. It's for my private thoughts only. You have secret private thoughts? Tyke smiled, trying to fish the book out from her satchel. Surely you trust me with your private thoughts, right? They're called private for a reason, Tyke, Ilse said, clamping her satchel shut and putting a protective hand over the flap. Ilse rolled her eyes and smiled. She flipped back her long, dark blonde plate as she smoothed out her dark green skirt and made a face at a stray ink stain on her white blouse. She tugged the sleeves down so she could put her dark yellow sweater over it. She layered her frame with a thick woolen winter coat and tied a scarf around her neck. As she stepped outside, she pulled her scarf over her nose and cheeks. She walked on, scrunching her shoulders to protect her face. You're coming over to my house today, right? Tyke asked. 
He pulled a knitted hat over his thick, black hair and generously wrapped a fat, knitted scarf around his neck. I have chores, and I promised Papa I'd help him with, uh... I thought you said you had time today to see my latest project. Oh, sorry, Tyke, Ilse said, shaking her head and gestured her hand quickly over her eyes. Tyke chuckled as she continued. I was just thinking about the lecture and the chores I have at home. I forgot that you have something in your shop that might... It'll stay in one piece, Tyke said. You're my good luck charm, so it'll work. I've got no luck to just hand out, Ilse chuckled. Well, I think I'll accept your apology and forget your slight mistake. Once you take a gander at my latest project, Tyke said, arching his eyebrow, pleased with his offer. But didn't the last one... How was I supposed to know it would explode like that? I promise, all the bugs are worked out this time, okay? Ilse just laughed and followed him to his home. So what about today's lecture was particularly enthralling? Tyke said, taking Ilse's books and held them for her. You're pretty quiet today. It was so dull and pointless, she answered, crossing her free arms over her chest and stuffing her hands in her armpits. Tyke snorted. I spend more time than just one lecture thinking that, he replied. And I'm sure I'll be thinking that way in the morning when we have to do it all over again. They always say they have something to teach us, but they never do, Ilse said. I want to know about the fireweavers. What's to know about them, Tyke said. They play around with fire. People cross them, and they get burned. But they're on the other side of the wall, Ilse protested. What if they made the wall? Why would they do that? Tyke said. We've done nothing to them. That's exactly what I'm trying to say, Ilse said. What if we don't learn about their history because there's more to the wall that no one wants to talk about or remember? I'm assuming talking to your father about what happened has run its course? Tyke asked. Ilse scrunched her shoulders up, letting the scarf swallow up as much of her face as possible. He's never been the same since Mother disappeared, Ilse said. I know he hates that wall, enough that he takes a longer way to work to avoid even looking at it. Someday someone will break down that wall, Tyke said. It just takes a will. With enough desire, it won't hold any of us back anymore. Don't say that so loudly, Ilse said, slightly appalled. People made a point not to talk about the wall ever. Ilse only ever mentioned the word itself to Tyke because he wasn't afraid of the wall. Some were very superstitious about it, and others were just too emotionally scarred by the events. Call me crazy, but we'll never last long enough as a people if we're stuck on frozen land without any way of trading with people or getting out of here, Tyke said. Why do you think I make things? Ilse suddenly realized that they had arrived in front of Tyke's house. Instead of going inside, they went around to a large wooden shed with a sign outside which read, Warning, enter at your own risk. Your latest installment? Ilse asked, pointing towards the sign. Mother made me, especially after patent 87, Tyke said, rolling his eyes. Patent? Is someone buying your work? Someday, I'm sure. For now, I call them whatever I like, he answered with a smile. Ilse loved Tyke's workshop. He had large scrolls of paper flattened and nailed to the walls. Even the ceiling held a patchwork of sketches of all his invention ideas and pages from books that pointed out the anatomy of various types of wings. 
Ilse remembered when he started sketching things that were supposed to hurl rocks and chunks of ice at the wall. But then he became much more interested in finding out if he could climb or fly over the wall, and thus the drawings and tinkering began. She took off her large winter coat, because it was plenty warm inside the workshop after he stoked the small iron stove with coal. Tyke became busy, putting a stained smock over his school clothes and lowering a pair of chunky, homemade goggles over his eyes. I'd suggest you do the same, Tyke said, pointing to a pair of spare goggles hanging by a nail on a nearby wall. Ilse grinned and fitted them over her face. As she was tying a smaller smock around her waist, she noticed a pile of clothes heaped in sawdust. Tyke, Ilse said, picking up a shirt. What happened to this shirt? It's all ripped up. Oh, it's too funny looking on me anyway, Tyke answered. It's good for my wing models, though. Well, if you need cloth, you could have asked me, Ilse returned, examining pants and shirts, all severely torn. Your material is too thick and woolly, Tyke argued. I need something light and weightless. Fine, then. Let's see this new monster of yours, Ilse said, rolling up her sleeves. All right, Tyke announced. It brings me great pleasure to present Patent 88. He ripped a cloth from the table, revealing a large brown traveler's pack. You're inventing travel wear? Ilse teased, giving him a questioning look. It's not over yet, Tyke said, still with his announcer voice. It's only fashionable travel wear until you watch what happens next. Tyke took a deep breath and closed his eyes, as if making one last mental plea. Suddenly, Tyke pushed a lever on the side of it, and a large pair of wooden and cloth-constructed wings unfurled from the sides of the bag. The wingspan went from wall to wall. Ilse jumped back a bit in surprise. What is that thing? She gasped. Tyke just stood back a bit to watch his creation. He had a crooked and pleased smile on his face. It's something I thought of a month ago. It's a pair of wings that you strap onto yourself to make you fly. It even has normal storage, so if you fly up in the air, you can have a snack in midair. Tyke explained, pulling an apple from the large pocket of the sack and took a big bite. Not sure how one can reach back to get it while in flight, but it's in the works. Wow, impressive, Ilse said, afraid to get near it. It hasn't fallen apart yet. Just give it time, Tyke laughed. He edged under the wings to get to the other side of the backpack, grabbed the sack, and took two straps and latched them securely over his shoulders. He then tightened a belt connected to the lower part of the sack. He checked all the straps carefully and then walked sideways out of his workshop and out into the snow. Wait, you're not testing that thing, are you? Ilse called, following him timidly. Patent 88 might kill you. Relax, Ilse, Tyke said casually. I measured everything. The wings should be able to support my weight. Promise. Ilse gave a doubting look towards the pack that had a pair of wings with thin mesh attached to it. The cloth and wood creating the appearance of wings didn't give her the confidence that he did his calculations twice to check for accuracy. Tyke pushed the wings back into the old traveler's sack until they clicked and locked shut. Ilse followed him out of the shack with her winter clothes and her belongings when she noticed that her friend with the wings stopped in his tracks. With a panicked look on his face, he turned and ran back to his workshop and Ilse followed suit. What happened? Ilse said. Shh, he said. He frantically shoved the wings back into place until they clicked. Ilse was about to protest when he suddenly put his hand over her mouth and put a finger to his lips. 
She strained her ears for any sort of noise or commotion, but looked around with nothing to hear. Suddenly, she could hear glass breaking, yelling, stomping. She thought she heard the sound of Tyke's neighbors protesting and begging. After what seemed like forever, Tyke removed his hand and began rolling up scrolls of scribbles and sketches. He hid what metal parts were lying around and took off his goggles. "'What's going on?' Ilse asked, frightened. Tyke craned his neck around the corner for a moment and then turned to her. "'Ilse,' he said nervously, "'there are soldiers here!' "'What?' Ilse whispered loudly. "'We... we don't have soldiers. We've never had soldiers. Just the town police.' "'Shh! They're coming this way!' Tyke answered, interrupting her. "'You should go, now!' "'But, Tyke, how do you even know they're soldiers?' They've got black matching armor and there's a lot of them. Listen, just go home to be safe. I'm going to make sure the neighbors are okay. What about you? Ilse cried, throwing her hands in the air. Tyke threw her own bag into her hands and Ilse accidentally dropped it. She picked it up and brushed the sawdust off of it and gripped it tightly. He already had his coat on as he pulled his cap over his ruffled black hair. Don't worry about me, Tyke said. The council will handle it. I'll make sure they come to do something about it. But, Tyke, they're outsiders. How did they find us? Ilse whispered loudly. How did they get in? Tyke widened his eyes and pressed a finger to his lips firmly to make a point. She stomped on the ground and glared more viciously back. She wound her scarf around her face and shuddered under the harsh wind blowing outside. Tyke stood behind her. Tyke, she said with a glimmer of hope facing him. What if they're here to rescue us? To take us away from the island? Ilse, he said through gritted teeth, grabbing her shoulders. They're raiding my house right now. I don't think they want to help me or anyone in this clan. And with that, Tyke ran quickly around his house and out of sight.